0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: In this episode of Secure the Insecure, we're going X-rated. It's all about sex. So if you think you're going to be affected by what you hear, please do go back and listen to an old episode again. There are some amazing episodes out there of Secure the Insecure that exist already. It'd be great if you go back and listen again. and welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I set's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifer, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. So before we get into this week's guest, I've got to tell you some exciting news, guys. We are finally on Instagram. It took a year and a half. Secure the Insecure podcast on Instagram is where you can find the whole community of Secure the Insecure. There's going to be inspirational quotes. All the old episodes are getting uploaded as we speak. You can listen to little clips of them. Please do go and discover those episodes if you have not listened before and you've joined me later on on the Secure the Insecure journey. There are 54 episodes out now. I'd love you to listen to all of them and the ones going forward. I'm with this week's guest now. Now I want to ask you three questions to start this week's podcast. When was the last time you spoke to your friends about sex? When was the last time you looked at your body and you thought, I can be attractive to someone else? When was the last time you decided to take your sexual activities to the next level? As we explore the insecurity when it comes to just even opening up that conversation about sex. So I want to introduce you to my guest this week. It was 15 years ago when my guest Emma Sale, a PR guru turned sex god, launched her company Killing Kittens, the go-to sex party place to be seen in all your glory. Mostly used by girls, this is where you can explore all your sexual fantasies in a safe space with 180,000 users in 12 countries. Hello, Emma. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. This is, I'm, I'm like quite scared for this conversation, but also, again, already feel a bit liberated that we're even just opening up this conversation about sex
2: yeah that's the thing you know i I always say our sexuality drives us um more than religion and politics so why is it you know why do we like whisper about it and feel so bad talking about it when it's the core of who we are
1: well literally it i mean literally it's how we started when did you realize there was a gap in the market i suppose to just even open up that conversation before even the parties came along
2: um i think what it was it was just i had this i always say i had this like anger in me that just kept being stoked and growing up and grew up in the Middle East and just seeing the way women were treated, just seeing the double standards um, of how, you know, men could sleep around. They could talk about their conquest. They could talk about anything to do with sex and get a pat on the back or told they were a legend. And women were slut shamed the whole time and had no voice in the bedroom. Um, and it just sort of it just kept making me angry. And then I was watching Sex in the City and that sort kind of started that whole woman talking about vibrators and stuff. And, um, and yeah, I just thought, nah, um, I want to create a space. And actually it has a lot to do with me. I was just very insecure, like 25-year-old. And kind of wanted to create somewhere that actually, you know, I kind of thought, well, if I ever had that world and there's opportunities and without any judgment, then maybe that would make me feel more secure. And um, so it was sort of, yeah, it kind of just, well, oh, it was a three day wedding in Ibiza and I hadn't slept for three days, so. um, And it just suddenly went, right, this is what I'm doing. So there was no sort of massive business plan, but it was something that had been burning for years in me um, to suddenly go, right, enough. And, you know, women's sexuality needs a safe space and no judgment and where we can be completely in control, like online and offline, and speak to people. Because a lot of girls didn't want to speak to their girlfriends about anything to do with sex as well for fear of being judged. I grew up an army brat, moved every two years. I was at boarding school for 10 years. Um, So, to be honest, I wasn't massively sexually active as a youngster because I was an all-girls boarding school in the term time and then living out in the Middle East. In the holiday. So it was kind of the best chastity belt dad could have put on me, <laughs> to be honest. So it kind of, I was more watching and then at university sort of more watching. And that's when I kind of started myself to explore a bit. But again, there was that huge shame and guilt of doing anything. So even if I wanted to do stuff, most of the time I'd stop myself for fear of judgment and think, well, I can't do that because, you know... I shouldn't. That's the thing. And we you know women we have this kind of messaging in us that we shouldn't behave like that and we'll be judged and it's wrong. That made me more angry.
1: Well it's interesting <laughs> that you were in a boarding school with girls that you were showing, I presume, dorms with. Did you open up No, that... there,
2: there was yeah, there was no fiddling you you <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no I wasn't gonna go that far. I was just gonna say, was the conversation even open there into when you were all I suppose for better than exploring yourselves?
2: Yeah, to be honest, it was I think being in all girls' school, um, you did have these open conversations because you the boys weren't in the mix, so you didn't really have any of that awkwardness. Um, so but everything from periods and masturbating and you just spoke about it. We you know, we were way more open than other girls I know who went to day mixed day schools. So you were in the dorms and you'd lie in bed and they'd be chatting and you know, it was sort of You chatted about everything. I think that, and we were, you know, very open at home, so I was never... I I wasn't brought up in a house where you couldn't talk about sex or anything like that. It was a very open-minded house um, where everything was discussed. But to me, it was kind of, well, that's fine, you discuss that, but the reality is it's double standards and women don't really have a voice. And when I did sort of become more sexually active, it kind of was even clearer to me that there was this massive double standards going on and women couldn't do what we wanted to do and also we weren't asking the questions we weren't discussing it properly. we didn't actually really think we had that voice because you've been brought up to be pleasers you see sex as you well, are it's a penis and a vagina and the end point is a man coming that's what people see when they hear them having sex so already that's a massively patriarchal view of what sex is so to me, and, like, launching KK wasn't for everyone to actually have full-on sex. It was to have the conversation, to learn, to be educated, to, you know, it's, it, women's sexuality is like, there's a thousand shades of women's sexuality and sex encompasses so much. And it's not just a penis and a vag when it comes to women and sex. Um, so it was sort of creating that space and most of the events we do now are the webinars and workshops so all around education and yeah that's what that sort of killing is now it's just sort of normalizing the conversations around sex is the the main aim of it all
1: do you think if killing kittens was around but when you were in that boarding school with those girls that anything would have been different for you in terms of those conversations
2: I think we're in a very different world now I mean this was 15 years ago and the change I've seen over 15 years of doing this business um, is huge and I, I look at girls in their 20s and they don't have what I had in my twenties, twenty years years ago, it's a completely different playing field. If you don't have that judgment. You are, well, girls can explore; they can, you know. There's massive when it comes to gender and sexuality. There's this entire spectrum. Now, that isn't. When I was in my twenties, it was either you were straight or you were gay. It wasn't really their By bi bit in the middle, or if there was, you weren't. You didn't really talk about it for fear of judgment. Whereas now, you know, it's sort of. Thousand shades of bi, <laughs> and, and 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 like yeah, pan, pansexual, polyamorous, you know, bisexual. It just you know, there's an entire when it comes to women and sex, and and women kind of tend are very much on the spectrum. that like every, we're constantly evolving, we're constantly changing. It isn't that black and white anymore. So it would have been nice to have it around 20 years ago when I was then, But that society evolves, doesn't it?
1: So I last week had Chloe Madeley on, who's got the couple's quarantine podcast, which you were also on. And you were saying on there that girls are more likely to want to explore with other girls and find girls attractive, which boys would never do. But girls are more instinctive to look at another girl and go, Oh, they're good looking. So there's something about that as well, about just even opening up the conversation in themselves about trying these different types of a- yeah topicators. I remember
2: saying it when I launched it years ago. That was one of the things I'd say it's like all girls are naturally bisexual and bi curious, and girls I know would be like, that's ah, bollocks. And when it's not. There's a sexual spectrum. Alfred Kinsey, Kinsey Institute found from like 0 to, well, 1 to 7, whether you're really straight or really gay, and women tend to be three, four, five, so bang in the middle. So it's a natural thing in us, but religion and society and culture has squashed any form of, like, women having a voice sexually and being able to admit anything, and we, you know, we're so... It's the one... When you look at the science of sex, it's the one science that is so clouded by all that external influences into it. You know, most of the time when it comes to science, it's very, you know, those are the stats, those are the data, that's what it shows. And even with the science of sex, the data and the stats show something, but it's just all overridden.
1: It's very interesting because if you think girl on girl in a younger uh, uh, generation, it's very much going clubbing and a girl and a girl kissing on the lips. And then from a male side, it's like, way, two girls, threesome, lads, lads, lads. There's that weird conversation there, isn't there? That the girl doesn't feel they can actually go on for the full-on snog with the girl anything more. There's the conversation with the guy that thinks it's a, he's a lad because he's got two girls getting with each other in front of him but we're not seeing it for what it actually is that, as you said, we are allowed to explore.
2: Exactly and also that old school that thing, again, you, it's very much through the lenses of it being about a man. They're two girls snogging and the way you just saw it, described it then is as if they're performing for the guy so it's because of the guy that that's why they're doing it. You know, there's never a thought process that actually they might like it. I remember, you know, being on dance tours and stuff and that happening. It was very much the guys thinking that it was for them.
1: You see sexuality is so patriarchal because as a guy, and this is why I love this podcast because I learn so much, is that I would never have thought sex being so patriarchal as you've said it, but you've not said anything that is wrong. You are a feminist and it's not like you are pushing a feminist agenda. You are literally speaking the truth. But as you said, we don't see it.
2: Well, that's the thing. And if you look at, you know, the the, the orgasm gap, it's massive. I mean, everyone talks about the pay gap. But the orgasm gap is, is huge. I can't remember the stats, but it's massive. The amount of women that don't actually orgasm through penetrative sex or don't orgasm. There's a lot of men out there thinking they, they make girls orgasm. There's a lot of girls out there who fake it. It, again, it's that squashing our desires and what's going on in us, thinking it's not really important. The actual endpoint of sex is a man coming. It's kind of, it's just something that we've so been so programmed to compromise and to settle and to kind of keep quiet and not take control in the bedroom that it's just sort of, inbuilt and also it's, it's funny because the amount of guys that feel threatened by a vibrator as if it's like competition to their penis and it's sort of no again it's something these are these are tools you can bring into your relationships to explore together and actually you know make sex more fun there's no point Feeling threatened by it but it, it's staggering how many men feel threatened by a vibrator
1: so killing kittens i want to go all the way through the process because you've got such a good process and i really admire it. so it's basically the end goal is to go to be sex artist but to get to there you've got to go through a rigorous application form how does that work
2: yeah so the thing is and now i mean it was the aim you know that was very much sort of it was all around the parties but um it's Actually, you know, we have like about 180,000 members, and actually, only about a thousand a month will come to any of our events. So it's a very small amount. that attend-, attend the event. The bigger side of it, and actually, why we're now considered a tech business, and we have been for like the last four years, is because 60% of our revenue comes from the online side of it. And it's kind of it's sort of Bumble meets Facebook. So there's a massive dating side to it. There's social network side to it, um, and it's that community side. Of it. So you, anyone can join, you can sign up, you can join, you can be part of that community. You just have to sort of verify a bit like joining Bumble that you're a real person and upload a selfie, a, a, a selfie and doing a particular touch your ear, nose, or that kind of thing. But if you then want to come to the full on Killing Kittens parties, you have to be a member of the Kittens Association within the platform. And that's another registration, and only women can be members of that. And you have to give your reasons why you want to join and why it's so important to you and then when you're in that the, you can either come as a single girl or you can bring a partner and whether that's partner is another female or whether it's a guy and buy a couple tickets kind of like there's a, an association within the members club so it's sort of a double whammy to get to the actual full-on killing of parties but if you want to just come to the workshops and webinars and all the education side of things then you can just be part of the big kk world The whole ethos behind us was to create the safe space for women to feel in control, and women they make the first move. So, you can't the minute you allow groups of men in, you the testosterone factor kicks in, and you're going to change the entire dynamic. So, the rules we have at the events are and even online is that women make the first move. You can't men can't go up to people they don't know, they have to wait for girls to approach them. and And that's the thing, that's what it's about. If you wanted two guys or more than two guys to be able to come along, then you might as well just go to a nightclub or a bar. This
1: is what I'm quite interested about. You've got workshops, and you're opening up this conversation. You're building a community around sex, and you're giving a safe space for sex to be spoken about. But some would argue that sex should be kept private and in the bedroom. That we shouldn't be speaking openly about. It. I know, obviously, we're talking why? openly about it now. But the question <laughs> is, why? why? Why is sex not part of the mainstream conversations that we have?
2: Because that's the thing. If you look, if you look back through history. Before the 18th century, women actually were the ones with the, we were the more proactive sexually. You look out of the Western world and you have tribes that are very matriarchal and women are very sort of able to explore their sexuality and, and sleep with as many partners as they want. And there's no judgment. The minute 18th century, 19th century kicked in here, it suddenly became about religion, um, it suddenly became about religion and everything was around this family unit. And to get that family unit and marriage, it was very much, well, control about the women and that's they're going to be the wife and they look after the children. They have to stay at home. And that's how you're going to you're going to protect this family, this marital unit. So it was very much, you know, religion has a lot to answer for. But it's not. That's the thing. It's not a natural thing for us not to be sexual and not to speak about, And especially for women not to be sexual. It's not natural. It's just something that's happened since the 18th, 19th century. And then kind of science took over, had the battle with religion in the 20th century, came into it. And that's what's sort of happening now. But it's only been in the last 100 years. I mean, the female organism hasn't really has been around for less than 100 years has been acknowledged for. It's not a long time. That's the thing. When you really question it and look at it, you go, it's just that." And as I said to you, our sexuality drives us. So as far as I'm concerned, you should be able to sit at a table and discuss, you know, the latest workout plans you've read about or the latest diet plans you read about and the latest sex stories or positions you read about. It should, it should be as normalised as that.
1: You're also changing the conversation and the dialogue around body confidence because if you've got these sex parties, you're going to, one would have to be undressed. So you've got all these girls hopefully walking around completely naked, feeling free. It doesn't matter their size, shape, colour, diversity, background.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's what we've always said And that, you know, we have a thing, you know, hashtag Kitten and Proud. And we, we've been doing these photo shoots every year. It was all our marketing campaigns and, and flyers we used. We've, last year, by the end of 2018, said that by the end of last year, 2019, we wanted every image across our site to actually be real members. That that's exactly that it's sort of it's kind of being sexy as an attitude it's not a shape it's not and it's that empowerment and disowning it and that confidence it comes under sexual confidence and then it, you know you've got that then it doesn't matter size or shape or Culture race or whatever.
1: So then COVID hits, the party stop and you've moved, as everyone else has to Zoom and you're doing these Zoom workshops, Zoom sessions. Tell me about how the Zoom star works. Because one could argue, as again from a male gaze, that it's basically free porn without going on porn hub. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, there is an element of that, but it's still for members. We literally, within five days of lockdown happening, moved the Friday night parties to virtual house parties. Um, It's just, as I said, at the end of the day, what's been like sort of the main ethos and the main thing behind us is our community and that community spirit and sense of belonging. And it's not necessarily, you know, why it's all about, being able to get your rocks off type thing um that's not what it's been about so it was kind of we knew we had to keep that community going and that's why we had the house parties we were moved we basically from january we're moving all our education workshops into like online virtual webinars and workshops anyway so we were already doing that and that's it and we've been doing them every friday night we've had them and we're doing on them like australian time zones new york time zones girls only ones and, yeah, they've been going well. And, but what we've had is a lot of people coming to them who 50% of every single party are people who would turn around and say they're either new members who would never have considered joining or going to an actual party before COVID hit. They're also a load of members that have been members for years where they've never been brave enough to take the time to come to an actual party. But when they can sit in the comfort of, you know, on the sofa or on their own beds and be part of it. And that's the thing. It's kind of – it's actually just, as I said, it's that – it's that community and the belonging and the you know, massive part of, of what all the shitstorm we've been in for the last six months is that isolation and that lack of social contact, which, you know, as human beings, we are social animals. So it was something that we've you know, we were really adamant about of providing something. Because a lot of members our members are singles and they you know, they live on their own and it was like, Well, we've kinda of gotta do something and yes, nothing's gonna beat the actual full on. KK physical parties. <laughs> you can't replicate that. Of course, AI, VR, any kind of clever digital is never going to replicate that. And yes, as soon as social distancing stops, we will be back within days <laughs> with all our main parties.
1: Yeah, you're going to have um, a lot of people even queuing up who have never been part of it before because they've been desperate to actually get a bit of action.
2: Yeah. So no, that's the thing. We we know we're not worried about the party side of things. We know within a few days but you know people think we've suddenly switched to being tech and and digital but it's not i mean as i said we've been considered a tech business for four years we we spent the last three years building this new platform or singing or dancing like social network platform and app we were always doing it anyway it's just suddenly co- it's just happened to coincide with covid and our offline events just annoyingly <laughs> you know overnight suddenly that switch went off so which we could have done without the whole virtual digital side of kk has been sort of There and growing at pace, and all we've been focusing on for the last three years. So when it hit, it wasn't this sort of sudden panic of shit, everyone's gonna lose jobs. We haven't actually, no one's lost any jobs.
1: So moving to the next generation, then, you, uh, if you're uh, if you're okay talking about your children, how have you brought them up, knowing what mummy does? Because you know, I'm sure you've done showing tell bring mum to school, mum tell me, no, you know, about No, your not
2: yet. Because my my kids are only five. They're five, three, and two. Oh, two years so time. We, we, haven't, <laughs> we haven't we haven't we haven't hit yet. Although the five year old can now read and ask me what kid, that he knows. My mum's business is called Killing Kittens. So, um, but we've. I mean, him, it, but when he asked us, it just comes. You know, I just say it how. It is he asked me what the three-year-old willy was called she's a girl well, yeah what's lily's willy called and i said it's a vagina i thought i'm not going to make up some stupid name which is part of the problem of like it being this secret place that you can't talk about it's a vagina well it's a vulva on the outside um you know what i mean it's sort of so now they just call it a and <laughs> it's it's as it comes up and like we took them to pride last year and He was like, and he was four, and he was like, what's pride? And I said, do you know what? I said, friends, men can be women, and they can dress up, and girls can dress up as men, and they can be whoever you want to be. And I thought, he's four. I'm going to leave it there. There's no point trying to overcomplicate it. And then I heard him describing it to friends of his, that he would be on to this big picnic, and he said, I could dress up as a girl. And I just thought that, for a four-year-old, you just start the conversations. So So he's he's just completely unfazed by everything at the moment. So would
1: you like the conversation around P S H E to change in primary school and in secondary school?
2: Oh yeah, massively. But I think a lot of it I I think it's not just sex, it's just it's education around porn. I think that's part of the problem. You've got teenage boys in particular growing up thinking that's the way you treat women in the in the bedroom, that it takes an hour for a guy to ejaculate and that's By throwing them into like eight different positions, and that those are the noises women make, and that women will come through through penetrative sex. There's so much, you know what I mean? It's like it needs to be taught that it's like watching a James Bond film, it's not real, and that's not the reality. And I just think that needs to be a massive part. So, porn education needs to be a massive part, but also confidence and boundaries and consent Um, just need to be within. The sex education conversation because they're huge, not just the diagrams of this is what a penis looks like, which just isn't, you know, female pleasure isn't isn't doesn't really come into it. So yes, yeah, so I'm a big, <laughs> big believer in changing changing the conversation around that at, at school level as well.
1: Well, bringing this conversation all the way around, you have done the most amazing thing for the sex industry. You know, some people would argue it's people who are actual porn stars, but you've actually not just changed sex but just the conversation even how would you like to uh, not to be bleak but how do you want to be remembered what do you want to be known for actually doing
2: yeah i you know it would be nice to you know be giving women a voice in the bedroom is sort of is one is the big thing that you know I yeah I push for but my you know our big push and we launched another business our year called sister which is all empowering professional women and um, a lot of mentoring and stuff and because my whole thing is it's actually from the bedroom to the boardroom if you give women the confidence in the bedroom they're going to go in and you know own a boardroom and demand pay rises and actually it goes very much hand in hand so what I push is actually it's a much bigger picture it's not you, you know it's not work life and sex life as two completely different things that actually you need to do it all together.
1: Emma Sale, there, owner of Killing Kittens. Oh, I feel quite liberated. I think it's one of those things that I'm such a Northwest London Jewish boy that I would never really ever have those conversations. And that's why I love doing this podcast, because I get to have these conversations and learn so much. I never saw sex being so patriarchal and it's started to change the way I look at it now and the whole industry as a whole. Now if you've liked what you heard, please do rate the podcast, like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast. I can't make this podcast successful without your help. And to go the extra level, we are now on Instagram. I know, it took me a year and a half. Secure the Insecure podcast on Instagram is where you can find us. You can see All the old episodes, I'm putting them up week by week, and I'm putting inspirational quotes up, and I'm just giving you that space where you can speak out. And I really want to build that Secure the Insecure community on that platform, Secure the Insecure Podcast on Instagram. Please do join that community. Give it a follow, find an inspirational quote, look at an old episode, and really just be part of my community. I'd really appreciate it. I've been Johnny Seaford, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.